Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor Dana concludes our series on strange stories with a look at a widow that had never-ending flour and oil. Let's listen. This week is our last sermon in our series on strange stories of the Bible. And I hope that this series has been interesting and fascinating for all of you. I hope that we have picked some passages that have been pretty confusing and perplexing and hopefully have offered some insights and clarity about them. Our last passage that we'll be looking at today is strange in so much as it's about a mother and a son who are preparing for death. Are they preparing for death by suicide? Are they preparing for death by starvation? It is up for debate and left to our imaginations. So let us dive in and take a deeper look. This passage is in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 12. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little cup? Of water. As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Destitution and desperation are two words that immediately jump out to me when I read this passage. In this passage, this poor widow has no food. They are on the brink of starvation. It is a pretty bleak and hopeless situation. What we also know from this passage is that this widow has already faced some pretty hard and tragic times. We know that her husband has died prematurely, leaving her to raise their child in a day and age when it was hard for women to fend for themselves, let alone being a single mom caring for a child. So what we can glean from this passage is that death and tragedy, difficult times and desperation have played a primary role throughout this woman's life. The other main character in this story is Elijah. And Elijah is no stranger to desperate times as well. At the time that 1 Kings was written, King Ahab was the king. And King Ahab had issued a decree stating that all the prophets were to be found and they were to be put to death. So Elijah had gone into hiding. He was living as an exile. He was fleeing from place to place, fearful for his life. That is when God instructed him to go to Zarephath that Zarephath would be the region where he would find a widow who would help to provide for him, that would offer food and water. When God told Elijah to go to Zarephath, Elijah was very puzzled by this instruction because Elijah knew that there had been a drought in that region and that the drought had caused a famine. But instead of rejecting God's instruction and what God was calling him to do, Elijah listened And he followed those instructions, and he went to Zarephath. When Elijah arrived on the scene, he did, in fact, encounter the famine and the droughts. And he also found this widow. And this is what he said to her. 
Elijah said, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Elijah told her to not be afraid, to go and do what he says, to make a little food for him and to bring it to him, and then to make some food for her and her son. And the widow responds by following his instruction, doing exactly what he said. She took what little she had left, and she made a meal for the three of them. Now call me crazy, but I don't think any of us would have responded that way. None of us would have taken what little food we had left and given it to a stranger. We would have shooed that stranger right off our porch. We would have hoarded what we had left, and we would have made a meal for our family, our son, our child. I think we can all agree that the actions that this widow demonstrated, they seem pretty counterintuitive. But what we see happen next is somewhat of a miracle. What we see happen next is that God takes what little this widow has and he multiplies it. Verses 15 and 16 say, So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah So God responded by filling this widow's flower jar full of flour. It was overflowing with flour. God responded by filling her olive oil jug full of olive oil. It was overflowing with oil. It was enough food and oil to see her through the famine until the rains came again. This passage, it's a wonderful depiction of how God does indeed perform miracles on our behalf how God provides for us and takes care of us in our times of need, how God gives us exactly what we need at the very moment we need it. It illustrates how God is the ultimate provider for all things that we possess in life, from the food that we eat to the water that we drink to the very pulse of life. It also depicts what it takes on our behalf to be God's faithful people, how we are to trust God in the face of hardship and famine, in the face of desperation, whatever form desperation takes on in our own personal lives, and how being God's faithful people means that we must be willing to serve the Lord at all costs, taking what we have, what we've been entrusted with, and using it for the well-being of others. This story demonstrates how our willingness to serve the Lord is to supersede our doubts, our fears, our worries about what it is that God's calling us to do. The widow in this passage most certainly demonstrated all of those things. The widow in this passage possessed this deep commitment where her willingness to serve God in this way superseded her fears, her worries about how she would provide food for her son if she offered what she had left to a stranger. It was most certainly an act of faith on her part a deep trust. This widow depicts an unwavering willingness to serve the Lord at all costs. 
a few years back, I was watching a movie called Burnt. It's a movie about Bradley Cooper, and he is a head chef in a very well-known restaurant. It's a Michelin star restaurant. And so in this movie, Bradley Cooper is well-known all around the world for his culinary techniques, his culinary gifts and talents. And so he rises to fame, and his ego takes over, and he ends up drinking and drugging and losing it all. And so the movie is about him trying to gain back his life and trying to rise to the top again. And so he goes to rehab, he gets his life back together, and when he does, he approaches a a well-known restaurant owner. And he goes to this owner and he says, just give me a chance. Give me an opportunity and I will make your restaurant a Michelin star restaurant. He says, give me a deadline and I will make sure it is a Michelin star restaurant by the deadline. And so eventually the restaurant owner agrees. And so Bradley Cooper is traveling all over the world. He's trying to recruit all of the sous chefs that he needs to make his kitchen the best. So he's going to Paris and he's going to Rome and London and trying to recruit people. And so the most interesting clip to me in the whole movie is when Bradley Cooper is in London. And he has tracked down this chef And he's getting ready to pitch his whole spiel to him and say, leave your life in London, leave the kitchen in London, come back to the States and work for me. And before Bradley Cooper can even start giving his pitch, this guy starts saying, oh my gosh, you're so well known. What are you doing here? You know, how can I help you? And Bradley Cooper, uh, or the guy says, you have always been a hero of mine. And Bradley Cooper says, am I a hero or am I a god? And the young man says, well, I don't think that I really know the difference. And so Cooper says, well, am I a hero or a god? Would you come and work for me for nothing? Would you come and work in my kitchen for maybe meals, a couple meals a week? And the guy thought about it, and he said, yeah, I think I will come work for you in your kitchen for a little bit of food each week. And Bradley Cooper says, will you come and work for me and pay me? Will you pay me 100 pounds a week? Will you pay me 200, 300 pounds a week to come and work in my kitchen and to learn from me? And the man just stood there stunned by this whole experience. But it's a pretty interesting clip that has stuck with me because it truly depicts the difference between a hero and a god. It accurately depicts what it looks like to be the people of God. Being the people of God means we work for God. And we work for God for free. It entails using our time, our talents, and our resources to serve the Lord without ever expecting any sort of compensation. It actually entails even paying God. Every week we come here, we pass around, well, we don't pass around an offering plate anymore, but we have an offering box in the back of the sanctuary. We offer our gifts and our tithes to God. Every year, we look at our budget and we say, all right, God, I can take this amount of my salary and offer it to you. This is what I can afford to do. This movie clip from Burnt, it echoes the same message, the same principle of our passage this morning. Being the people of God entails service. It entails serving God and serving God's people. It entails possessing a deep willingness to serve the Lord at all costs taking what little we have, what little we have been entrusted with, and offering it back to God's people. 
And we do that without ever expecting God to reward us in any way. The Lord has given each of us so much. God has entrusted us with many gifts, many talents. Being part of God's faithful people means and entails taking those gifts and talents and putting them to good use. Taking what we have been so generously given and sharing it with other people. Furthering God's kingdom. This Sunday marks the start of our stewardship season. This is the time where we think about what that word means. What does stewardship mean to you? And what does stewardship call us to do? What does it mean to be God's good stewards? As we think about those things, let us be mindful of the messages found in this passage from 1 Kings. Messages that remind us that it is God who's the ultimate provider. That it's God who gives us all that we have in life. From the food that we eat, to the water that we drink, to the very pulse of life. Let us remember that in response to that, all that God has given us and entrusted us with, we are to respond by living and acting as God's faithful people. God's faithful people who possess this deep willingness to serve him. A willingness to serve him when at times it might seem counterintuitive. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.